We're back at it with another episode of Talking MMA, episode number six. We're picking up some momentum. We're not looking back. So if you enjoy the show, you know, hop aboard and just enjoy the ride. Um, we're on most platforms now on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. Also on YouTube, Anchor FM and Spotify. You can look that all up. It's in the bio. Follow us on there. Show some love. Um, yeah, let's get right into it. We had a crazy weekend of fights. Uh, I feel like I've been saying that a lot. The last few episodes, just because Dana White's been rolling out the big fights, you know, and we got to appreciate him for that. We had a controversial main event, controversial being, you know, some people didn't like the the commentary. There was a lot of uh, controversy around the around the commentary, also given that Joe Rogan pulled out sort of last minute. Um, a lot of people disagreed on the outcome of the main event. We had a, a co-main event that was a banger. Uh, how could you be surprised? The only thing that was surprising is that it went past the round, but we'll get into that. And then we had Derek Brunson versus uh, Cannoneer. We had that fight that was incredible. Great finish from Cannoneer. He's now emerged as a contender. We're going to get into that. So there's a lot to talk about from what happened this past weekend. But before we get into that, I want to stay. I want to say this. I'm going to start doing picks now. So for every main card of a pay-per-view, I'm going to start doing the picks for all of them. And I'm going to tally up my record. And over time, you're going to be able to see my record of picks. And I'm sort of just going to have fun with it. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, but I will look into that. And there will be consequences to my losses. You know, there will be. It's going to be a fun thing. Nonetheless, let's get into it. Main event, UFC 271. We started off with Bobby Green, right? Uh, an absolute stud. He put on a clinic. It's clear these two guys did not like each other. Um, you know, it's clear that there was bad blood there between Nazrat and Bobby Green. Um, Nazrat looks exactly like Kelvin Gastelum. If you don't think it's true, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I think that's fucking hilarious. They are literally the same person. Like, in round five, when it's, or round three, rather, when his face was all beat up because Bobby Green was just putting on a striking clinic, he looked exactly like Kelvin Gastelum. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I think that's funny. Anyway, Bobby Green looked good. Um, you know, Bobby Green, a guy who's what now, like 35, he's been around, he's paid his dues. Um, you know, he's, he's rolling now, right? He's won a few fights in a row. If you look at the Fazeev fight, um, he thinks he won the fight, but it was definitely a close fight. You know, he won that last round of the fight. He had a lot of momentum if it were going to championship rounds, but it didn't, it was only a three rounder. But I think Bobby Green, where he is now, I think he's earned himself a shot with a rank, with a rank guy at 155 pounds. Like, let's just pull up the, the rankings right now real quick at 55. Like, let's see who we could fight. Maybe around 14, 14, 15 range. Yeah. Um, you know, at 15, we have Diego Ferreira. 14, we have Brad Riddell. Did Alexander Hernandez fall out of the rankings? We'll talk about that. He Maybe he could fight a guy like Diego Ferreira, like a guy like Brad Riddell, you know? I think he's earned that opportunity. I'd give him a good shot to win either of those fights. So, Bobby Green, keep doing your thing. Really entertaining. And, you know, he said that he was going to show him that there was levels to this and he was going to outclass him. And you got to give him credit because that's exactly what he did. Like, he went out there and just pieced him up. It was impressive. Next fight on the main card, I believe it was Alexander Hernandez, if I'm not mistaken, right, versus, uh, let's see. Yeah, it was Alexander Hernandez versus Renato Moicano. Um, you know, if Renato Moicano looked like that, 
throughout his entire career, every fight, he might have been a world champion by now. Like, the guy's got a lot of potential. You know, he's really good in the stand-up. You know what he could do on the ground in the jiu-jitsu. Um, he's always exciting to watch. You could always you could expect finishes with this guy in all areas of the fight. Um, you know, obviously, I think it was those uppercuts that he caught him with first, right, that led to the submission. So, yeah, you know, uh, Alexander Hernandez wanted, well, he yeah, he wanted to be on the main card. I think there was some injuries that happened, and it kind of bumped him up. But before that, he was on the early prelims, and I remember he was tweeting out, like, how am I on the early prelims? And, you know, he was just talking a lot of shit. Um, you know, you got to prove yourself. You know, it's uh, you just got to go out and win the fight. That's all. If you go out and win every single fight, you'll be undeniable, regardless of where you are in the card. So, you know, let's see if he can get it together. Renato Moicano, though, with a big win. Uh, where does that put Renato Moicano in the rankings? Now, I would think Alexander Hernandez is not in the rankings anymore at 55, right? Yeah, he fell out of the rankings. Where is Renato Moicano? So, I, Renato Moicano is not in the rankings either. Okay. Let's move on to the next fight, which was Derek Brunson versus Jared Cannonier. It's a fight that I thought Derek Brunson was going to win. What we saw in round one, that's exactly how I thought the fight was going to go. You know, that's how I thought, that's how I envisioned the whole fight to go throughout the three rounds. And I thought Derek Brunson would win probably like a decision or he'd probably finish him on the ground with a choke. That's what I thought. And he almost did. Derek Brunson at the end of round one had Jared Cannonier dead to rights. He had him in a rear naked choke, locked in under the chin. And Jared Cannonier at that point, I'm guessing he either saw the clock or his corner told him. And he knew. He knew that he could just ride out the last seven seconds and he'll be all right. But if it was any other scenario, right? If we're talking about any other situation here, like you're screwed. You know, if there was a minute left on the clock, if there was 30 seconds left on the clock, like Jared Cannonier's done. Derek Brunson's probably fighting Adesanya for the title. So it's something that it's crazy, man, how this sport is. Like just you being seconds away from getting from getting to the title shot, you know, something you wanted your whole career, something you worked your whole life for, and now he's probably not going to get there ever again. So it's just crazy. And his wrestling was working in round one. And I don't know what happened in round two, but it just came out tired. I don't know if he just blew his tank trying to get all those takedowns because Jared Cannonier stuffed a lot of takedowns in that fight um, in the first round. Jared, now, Derek did take him down a couple times. But Jared Cannonier did also do... Jared Cannonier stuffed the majority of the takedowns. Derek landed about two of them and then got him on the ground and did what he did. But before that, Cannonier had uh, had done a good job with the takedown defense. So come to come out in round two, maybe uh, Derek Brunson was a little bit tired. Maybe he blew his tank from trying to get all those takedowns on Cannonier unsuccessfully. And the ones he did get, you know. And just every aspect of the fight, you know, you get tired. But... It was weird. I don't know if he got hurt. I don't know if he got rocked and sh wobbled with a shot, and I just didn't notice it. But something happened to Derek Brunson in round two, and the whole the whole momentum of the fight just shifted towards Jared Cannonier. And then obviously we know the rest. You know, he finished him, and uh, it's looking like he's going to fight for the title now, just for the simple fact of like who else, right? Who else at middleweight? Robert Whitaker just has lost to the champ twice. Jared Cannonier. He's next, right? So he okay. So Cannonier jumped because this is the first time I'm seeing the ranking. So I just noticed 
Jared Kennedy moved up to number two now in the division, rightfully so. Marvin Vittori dropped to three. That's interesting. Brunson's still at four. You would think that they'd move Sean Strickland in there, but I guess since uh, you know he hasn't beat anyone in the top five, maybe they want to they want to give him that too early. But Sean Strickland's in the top five now after that. But if you look at it right, got a little uh, sidetracked there. Sorry. If you look at it right, Rob Whitaker lost twice. Jared Cannonier, he, he's got to be next, right? Marvin Vittori lost twice. Derek Brunson's out of the title picture for now. He's going to have to win two, three more fights, and he's already 38. And he already said he wanted, like, two more fights, and he's out. So regardless of whether he wins or not. So I think that's it. Sean Strickland, yeah, you could argue that, but he hasn't he didn't beat anyone in the top five yet. So how could you really say he deserves a title shot? He's one win away, don't get me wrong. And Sean Strickland is dangerous too, so. Paulo Costa, no way. Jack Hermanson, no. Darren Till, no. Uriah Hall, no. Kelvin Gaslam, no. You know what I mean? There's literally nobody. Nobody out there for him. He's cleaned the division out. And then the other people that he hasn't faced just lost to the other people that is he beat once or twice already. So it's Cannoneer. 100% is Cannoneer. I don't know why Dane... Well, yeah, Dana... Yeah, he did make it pretty clear, right? Because Dana usually never goes out in the press conference and even addresses who's next. But he did sort of hint or suggest that Brunson would be next, which he usually doesn't do. So, yeah, Derek Brunson should be next. Izzy says he wants to fight in June. Maybe they can get it on there, you know? Co-main event, we got Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa, right? This was a good fight. This was a fight that... I predicted would be round of the year, round one. Now, did it live up quite exactly to round of the year? No, it didn't. Um, Because Derek Lewis did things that we didn't expect. But again, that's MMA, right? We didn't think France was going to shoot for the legs on Cyril. And it happened. So Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis utilized wrestling. Uh, Derek Lewis was actually fighting a complete fight. Like he won the round and he was winning the whole fight. And then he just got caught towards the end. And we're going to get into that in a second. But... Derek Lewis used his wrestling. Derek Lewis had hurt Ty to Ivasa. Um, I believe he had his back, or it was just, or Ty was just getting up right after Derek had taken him down, held him down for a bit. I believe it was Ty was just getting up against the fence, trying to work his way up, and Derek starts landing these huge strikes from the ground. And as Ty sort of working his way up, Derek still landing the shots, and that's when he had him hurt really, really bad. And it's a way they always say. It. I think DC said it in the fight, and they've said it a thousand times. You don't want when Derek Lewis is on top of you, punching you, like it's over almost. Because he, when he has that leverage, he hits so hard that he's just going to land some devastating blows. But nonetheless, Tai Tuivasa um, was getting worked in that round pretty much. He was able to survive. Um, we go into the next round, and Derek Lewis is doing a lot of the same stuff. You know, I think he's winning the round, and then. He actually, I believe towards the end, he hurts Ty. And then he sort of opens himself up, starts going crazy. And then Ty starts, Ty hurts him. And Ty started land, started throwing a shitload of elbows, like towards that, the final exchanges. Like he was like, oh, this elbow works. Let me throw like three more. Boom, boom, boom. And then got him with the last one when he had him against the fence. And he was out. That last one just, he shut his lights out. Didn't even have to throw a punch on the ground. Um, so it was, a, it was a great fight. It delivered... And uh, I like saying that it delivered because a lot of times fights where you think don't aren't going to deliver or are going to deliver, rather, they don't do it. They don't, you know. 
how many times we've seen a fight that it's it's looking so good on paper and it never delivers. You know, it happens a lot. So that was good to see. As far as implications on the heavyweight division, I got the rankings right here. First time seeing them. Tai Tuivasa jumped up eight spots to number three. So that's confirmed now. So we have Nganu, the champ. Cyril Gon, still the number one contender. Stipe is number two. Now Tai Tuivasa, three. Curtis Blades is four. So we know Curtis Blades is fighting against... Who is he fighting next? I know Curtis has a fight coming up. Can't recall who it's against. So he's booked. Derek Lewis just lost to him. Volkov has a fight booked against Tom Aspinall. That's going to say a lot. Rosenstrikes had a couple setbacks. He needs to win a few fights. So if you really look at the landscape of the heavyweight division, the only guy that's like clearly that clearly could be in a number one contender fight or maybe even a title fight is tied to Ivasa right now because he's the only one that's free, that's in the top five, that hasn't had a setback, except for Stipe, of course, which I, w- I would think Stipe. So, all right, this is what I'm doing if I'm the heavyweight division. This is exactly what I'm doing. Tied to Ivasa, maybe you could argue he's not ready for a title fight yet, or maybe he hasn't earned it yet, but I don't know. I mean, opinions are going to differ on that. Has he earned a title shot? That's up for debate. But maybe you could say he hasn't earned gold in his next fight, right? So let's put Stipe Miocic and John Jones in there for the interim title since Francis is going to have surgery. Francis is going to be out nine months minimum, right? Probably more, they're saying, right? So we got to do an interim title fight. So let's, I would do Stipe versus John. John Jones, and why wouldn't they be interested in that? And then we have Tai Tuivasa versus Cyril Gunn. So we do that, and then that sort of gives us more clarity in the in the heavyweight division. I think that's a good idea. Are they going to do that? I don't know. But the only clear guys really at heavyweight right now, four names, and then potentially a fifth. And I'll tell you how. I'll tell you, Cyril Gon, Stipe, John Jones, Tuivasa. Only four credible guys right now for a title shot. Realistically, I'll tell you the fifth. Tom Aspinall, if he beats Alexander Volkov at UFC London. And I'll tell you what, I think he's going to win. But I don't, I don't think it's the same if Volkov beats Aspinall. You know what I mean? If, but if Aspinall could beat Volkov, who's ranked number six, he's going to leap in there. He might even leapfrog Derek Lewis and get into the top five. And maybe even higher, depending on the Curtis Blades outcome of his next fight too. So only five I see at heavyweight right now. Cyril, Stipe, John, Tuivasa, and Aspinall if he beats Volkov. I'm talking about in the immediate, like this year, fighting for a title. Let's get to the main event. This was a good fight. I just saw the fight like 20 minutes ago. It was, it's a lot, it was a lot closer of a fight than I thought, rewatching it the second time. But it didn't sway my opinion. Like, I still think Adesanya won for sure. It didn't sway my opinion in the sense like, oh, it was a toss-up now. No, Adesanya for me still clearly won. But let me run you through it. Let me see. So I wrote, I had some notes here. So for round one, it was clearly Adesanya. So I want to run through the rounds because there was a lot of controversy between who won each round. I'm going to give you my take on it. I saw the fight three times. Round one, I believe Adesanya clearly won round one. It was one of the more clear rounds in the in the fight to score. You know, he won the stand-up exchanges and he knocked him down. What was it with that jab, with the left jab or a left straight when he had him up against the fence? 
put him down for a second, sat him down. R- Whitaker popped back up, but he wasn't out or anything. But that won the round. Even if he didn't do that, he would have won the round regardless. So clearly Adesanya won round one, right? Round two, clearly Adesanya again for me. Maybe it was the first one was a little bit more clear cut for sure because of the knockdown and whatnot and the, and the takedown defense. But round two, clearly Adesanya. You know, he, um, Whitaker took him down for a brief second, but he popped right back up and he controlled the stand-up exchanges again. Sorry, just looking at my notes there. So if you, so in that, in that round, Whitaker did take him down, but he held him down for like 10 seconds. He was trying to get his other hand, the hand Adesanya was, uh, trying to get pushed back up from, I believe it was his left hand. Whitaker was trying to bring that hand down so he can get his back to the ground, but he was unsuccessful. Adesanya popped right back up within 10 seconds. I mean, it depends on how you score that stuff. If you really think that that's, that means a lot in a the fight, then I could see maybe giving Whitaker the round. But what about in the stand-up exchanges, though, besides those 10 seconds? Adesanya was winning them clearly. Like, he wasn't piecing them up or anything like that, but he was doing what he always does. He was controlling the distance. He was outstriking him. You know? So I think Adesanya won round two. Whitaker did take him down for about 10 seconds, but I think Adesanya clearly won round two, you know? Um, maybe not as clear as round one, but he did win it. Round three, for me, it was Adesanya. Again. So I have Adesanya up 3-0 at this point. So I got the round three strikes here, uh, round three stats here, rather. And Adesanya outlands him in significant strikes, 17-12. to 12. Okay, so Whitaker does get a takedown then. But that takedown was so insignificant that I forgot about it. You know what I mean? Like that, if he did take him down in round three, he, he didn't do anything with it. So I would give that round to Adesanya. However, with that whole thing, if you want to give that to Whitaker, I would understand that. Um, but I do think Adesanya won that round. And it was a close fight. Let's get into round four. That round, I gave it slightly to Whitaker. Very slightly to Whitaker. It was a close round. Um, you know, he landed some of, if not more, of the significant strikes in that round. And um, I remember he did, in that round, he did a lot of uh, grinding him up against the fence because he was trying to take him down. But in the process of taking him down, he had him up against the cage and was grinding him up against the fence a lot of times. So he somewhat controlled the round, so I gave it to Whitaker slightly. Um, and he did outland him that round. I, I have the numbers here now officially. He outlanded him 16 to 15 in the significant strike department in round four. So I would give that to Whitaker. He also got a takedown in that round too. So I would give it to Whitaker. But again, these takedowns like on paper looks good because you see one takedown 100%, one of one. But he's not doing anything with the takedowns. That's the thing. Adesanya is getting back up. Like he's not even like pounding him on the ground. He's not landing elbows. He's not doing anything that's even remotely hurting Adesanya on the ground. That's why I don't really give that much value. If you were holding him down and controlling him on the ground like Khabib for like the entire round, you know, that makes sense. But Adesanya's getting right back up. I just don't value it as much, you know? And he's not and he's not doing anything with it. He's not landing any he's not really doing any damage rather. He also had a submission attempt in the round. That's why you also gave it to him. Um, he It was unsuccessful, but he got to his back, and things looked a little scary there for like a second. So yeah, he, he just did more in the round overall, and he won the round. So at this point, I have it 3-1 to one for Adesanya. 
if you had it 2-2 for Whitaker, if you think he won round three, then it's possible because I'm starting to see it now. You know, I think after seeing the numbers and after seeing the fight most recently, like 30 minutes ago, I could see where some people would have it 2-2. I don't agree. I wouldn't agree with them, but I could see it. Like, I wouldn't think you're crazy if you had a 2-2 at this point going into round five. And I can now, I'm starting to see now why some people thought Whitaker won the fight because round five, I thought Whitaker did win it. Um, again, I have a 3-1 for Adesanya at this point. So at round five, I thought Whitaker won the round. Um, Whitaker just clearly controlled the round overall. Um, you know, he got the takedown, and he landed more significant strikes, if, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see. Round five. No, Adesanya actually landed the more significant strikes in the round. But it feels like Whitaker did. I saw a few left hands, and I saw a few shots that Whitaker landed that I thought hurt Adesanya and sort of rocked his head back more than the ones that Adesanya was landing on Whitaker. I could be mistaken. But nonetheless, Whitaker, I still think, won the round. He also had to take down in that round. Again, didn't do much with it, but I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. So I had Whitaker winning the fifth round as well. So I have Adesanya winning the fight 3-2. A competitive close fight, but I thought Adesanya clearly won. Again, it was competitive, but I thought Adesanya clearly won. Like, I don't think Whitaker won the fight. If you had a 3-2 for Whitaker... That's fine. That must mean that you really value the wrestling. I think what comes down to this fight, the debate that a lot of people are having now, especially online, is how much do you value takedowns? How much do you value takedowns that really don't do much? That you're really you're getting them on the ground, but what are you doing? Like he wasn't hurting him or anything. So how much do you value those takedowns? That's really what's going to determine who you think won the fight. I think even without the ta- with the takedowns valuing them, I still think Adesanya won the fight. You know? But it's it's a good, you know, it was a good fight. I when we broke down this fight or when I broke down this fight in the last episode, I I thought Adesanya was going to win a five-round decision and Whitaker was going to make it a better more of a drag-out competitive fight through five rounds cuz he was going to mix in the takedowns and not blitz him like he did. And that's exactly what happened. It couldn't have gone any much. More. It couldn't have gone any more like that because that's exactly what happened. But I don't think that was hard to predict. You know, Whitaker said it going into the fight. I said it on multiple occasions. Whitaker was clear on this. He said, "I don't think it's any secret. I'm going to take Adesanya down." So that's it for UFC 271. It was a great card. Uh, I believe the next one is Masvidal Covington. So obviously, we're going to get into that one, and we're going to start with those main event picks. Um, we're going to start with those main event with those main card picks for UFC 272 and beyond. So I didn't want to do it for this one. I would have been 4 and 1 if I did it for this one, but I'm not even going to go there. It's all good. For this week's top 5, I thought we'd go a little bit on a lighter note or maybe a darker note, I don't know. Um so Dana White, you know, is a guy who we know he doesn't hold anything back and we love him for that. Um He's the definition of no fucks given. That's what Dana White is. Like, if you look up no fucks given in a dictionary, it's a picture of Dana White's face. So, to commemorate Dana White, I'm doing a top five list on Dana this week. And it's Dana White's top five rivals of all time. Right now and currently and all time. Let's start with number five. We'll go light with a little appetizer. Um... I'll go with Bob Arum, you know, a guy who Dana's had a little bit of a history with. Uh, 
And let's start with a little bit of, a, you know, let's start with a clip of Bob Arum voicing his thoughts on Dana White getting into boxing. Who gives a shit with White? He's a piece of crap. But you just said you welcomed him to the yes, court. Yes, because then it's an acknowledgement how strong boxing is. He has a, a UFC that's cratering, and he needs boxing to save himself. And, of course, Dana would respond. And, you know, those years of back and forth. Most recently, Dana hit him with this one. And this guy wants to go. Imagine me saying, oh, I got to pay Conor McGregor this much money. I could have built a house in Beverly Hills. Shut the fuck up, you fucking scumbag. Pay your fucking fighter what you owe him. That's your job. Bob Arum is a piece of fucking shit. Good night, everybody. Dana's not one to be holding back on anyone. <laughs> oh, my God. Dana White is the master of insults. If you want to get into a back and forth, man, I don't know. Dana White and John Fury. Don't fuck with those two guys because they're just going to go all out on you. Let's get into number four. It's going to be Dana White's best friend, Chris Cyborg. A guy Dana's had quite the past with and wants no future with ever again. Um, it's a person that, well, let's just start off by throwing a little clip of Dana White insulting Cyborg hilariously. Years ago, before all the real stuff started. Let's start with that. I said, when I saw her at the MMA Awards, she looked like Vanderlei Silva in a dress and heels. And she did. Didn't she not? Who wants to dispute that she didn't look like Vanderlei? She got up and she was like, walking up the stairs, jacked up on steroids, beyond belief, and looked like Vanderlei Silva in a dress and heels. You believe she's still on steroids? I don't know. That I don't know. Um, I mean, you had it coming, Dana, when you said that one. You know, like, no one's going to help you on that one. Like, if you said that today in, like, 2022, you'd get canceled at this point. So, luckily, that was in 2000, what is what, 15, whatever that was. So, and then, of course, Chris Cyborg's going to fire back. You know, she's, gonna, she's not going to take things lightly after the whole feud with Dana White. So what does she do? She releases an edited clip of her having a conversation with Dana White. And what they edited was what Dana actually said. And they made it sound like Dana was saying, I know you're not scared of Amanda Nunes. I know you weren't ducking the fight. And of course, you know, Dana doesn't hold back. So Dana, of course, had to strike back in a very vicious way. Um, in a pretty petty way. So listen to what Dana had to say after the whole dilemma was Cyborg editing that clip of their conversation. It took... 51 seconds of the first round to find out. Now, I tried to make the rematch. Cyborg can say whatever she wants. I have this all documented. We have this all documented. This is a real company, and we document everything that we have. She wanted to fight Cindy Danois or Pam Sorensen. Mm -hmm. And I told Cyborg, we don't make those fights here. That's not what we're doing. You're going to fight Amanda Nunes. And there was a huge back and forth that went on forever. And then finally she agreed, and she ended up fighting Amanda Nunes, and we saw how that fight ended. Now, there's all this talk right now about, you know, I'm trying to devalue her. Say I'm scared of fight, fight Amanda Nunes. Say I don't want to fight her. This is a liar, because I text him after the fight, say I want the rematch. And this is no help me growing my, my brain. This is damage my brain. And for me, keep me working for own promotion. I don't want somebody damage my brain. I want you growing together. 
And because these are going to have to take a little time and see what's going to be better for me. All this other bullshit that she's putting out there, again, to avoid a fighting Amanda Nunes. Message received, I get it. I'm going to release her from her contract. I will not match any offers. She is free and clear to go to Bellator or any of these other organizations and fight these easy fights that she wants. Mm -hmm. Done. Done deal. I will literally today have my lawyer draft a letter to her team that she is free and clear to go wherever she wants. We're out of the cyborg business. Now I've never heard of I've never heard Dana White say that a fighter is scared of another fighter. I've never heard him talk about his fighters like that. Say, oh, he's scared of this guy or she's scared of her. So those are some pretty harsh words from Dana. And Dana's known to be a pretty harsh guy. So of course, Cyborg, she's not gonna take that line down. And Cyborg has hit the most recent blow, of course, in Jake Paul's diss track video, uh, music video that he had to Dana White, where Cyborg makes a, a, an appearance. Let's show the clip. This is a three fight deal, 12K a fight. Now, you will be risking your life, but if you keep on winning, you could be rich like McGregor. So what about long-term healthcare? Don't worry about that right now. Just sign on the dotted line, or no one's gonna know who you are. They do all the work, we make all the money. They never read the contracts. We got a lot to play. <laughs> yeah. Man, Dana's getting hit left and right with the fighter pay stuff from every direction, left and right, up, down. Everywhere you can look, Dana White's getting hit somewhere in terms of fighter pay. He's not paying the fighters. Fighters ain't getting paid enough. They want more. Man. It's tough out there. So number three on the list, we got another best buddy of Dana White, Jake Paul. And, you know, I don't know where it all started, but as far back as we can go, Dana White's been trolling Dana. Dana White's been trolling, uh, or Jake Paul, rather, has been trolling Dana. Ever since he started in the fight game, really, he's been trolling the shit out of Dana, been trolling the shit out of UFC fighters. Here's a little clip of Dana White's roasting, uh, or of Jake Paul, rather, roasting Dana White in a uh, video where he roasts, like, three other people. Enjoy. What do you think of Jake Paul versus uh, Conor McGregor? No, I think he should fight a man in Nunez. I mean, I have a small penis, and uh, I suck Conor McGregor's dick all day long. Oh, and, of course, through more back and forth, back and forth, you really think Dana, knowing who he is, is not going to respond back? Check out what he had to say to Jake Paul after winning a couple fights that he thought were against bums in boxing. I can guarantee you this. You ain't going to see Jake Paul calling Anderson Silva out. That I fucking promise you. He's his size, and he's actually good. He's old, which is what Jake Paul likes to fight old guys, uh, but he's, 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 he likes to fight old guys that are too small, and, uh, you know, and that are absolutely positively washed up. And, of course, Jake Paul responds back after many back and forths. Check that out as well. What do you want to say to Dana White right now? <laughs> I just knocked out a five-time UFC champion and embarrassed your whole company and 
Please, please let me get Kamara Usman. Please let me get Diaz. Please let me get Masvidal. Please let me get McGregor. Because I'm going to embarrass them too. I promise you that, Dana. I promise you that. And now, when have we ever known Dana White to back down from a fight, from a verbal fist fight? He doesn't hold back here. Jake, you never responded to the challenge. You publicly stated that I use cocaine. I do not. So I told you, you could randomly cocaine test me for the next 10 years. I believe that you're a cheater, and I believe that you use steroids. So I want to randomly steroid test you for the next two years. And that thing that you came out with today, nobody on earth thinks that you really wrote that. You're too stupid. And for those of you that don't know, if you've ever watched one of his fights and you see when they do the stare down, the guy that's standing in the middle with the warlock nose and the big warlock ward on his face, apparently that's his manager. And that guy used to be an accountant for me. And let's just say this, he no longer works for me, and I think he's a scumbag. And of course, Jake Paul responds back after a few more back and forth, after a few more low blows and call outs and videos. Jake responds most recently with a music video. And in this music video, it's got about three and a half million views in like two weeks, which is pretty fucking impressive for a diss track. And it's pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. He goes at Dana hard. Check out a clip from this music video of him further shitting on Dana. It's been a fun rivalry, the Jake Paul Dana White one, and it's still one that's going on. So if we ever decide to revisit this list, Jake Paul might be at the top of it in a year, in two years. Who the hell knows? It makes for funny content, and it makes us laugh, so fuck it. Number two on the list is another good buddy of old Dana, Tito Ortiz. Now, this these are just hilarious. Enjoy this clip that pretty much sums up the relationship between Dana and Tito in a post-fight press conference after a Tito Ortiz loss during a whole contract negotiation or end-of-a-contract scenario with Tito. Check it out. It's fucking hilarious. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, people like Tito. I would agree I, with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question for Dana and Tito, too. Uh, Dana, um, do you plan on making uh, Tito an offer to re-sign with UFC? And Tito, if Dana offered you more money than the competitors offered, would you sign with UFC? <laughs> let, me, let me just, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Dana-Tito questions. Let me just get, just get it out there. The stuff between Tito and I is very real. You know, this is no bullshit. We're not trying to, you know, put on a WWE show. It's very That's real. That's why there's and, cops on each side, as you can see. So I don't cave his face. And, uh, you know, it's going to take Tito and I probably sitting down in, in, in a room and talking. And we haven't done that in a long time. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Hey, Dana, did you tell Tito not to be here at the presser? No. So I haven't, I haven't talked to Tito. Tito and I haven't talked. And no, he didn't say nothing to me. The people who work for him said. So you, okay. Yeah, they, they're trying to guide me out the door, up the escalators, and saying, yeah, you go this way, that way. And thank God I have my security joshua with me that goes no bro it's right here and then they're like yeah, no you, tito's you, welcome to come to the press conference as long as he's not holding his own press conference no, I wasn't the thing starts at you know when everybody gets here i think i think that was the issue 
I don't want to be 45 years old competing in the UFC, you know? I don't want to be doing a 20-year span of, uh, you know, murder myself to try to make a million. <laughs> and a lot of these other guys do. That's not the way they look at it. Yeah, they look at it just slaves like, for you, man. That's what it comes yeah. down to. That's all they care. They, I mean, that's what, that's what, what, what all these guys feel like, slaves. No. no? These I guys mean, are competitors I mean, who come in yeah, here and want to prove that they're the best. Some of them fight because you're gonna make four them a times superstar. a year. Because you're going to make them a superstar. Because this is what they want to be. That's your quote words. No, I'm going to make you a superstar. No, you're the one that wants to be a superstar. No. These guys want to be fighters. That's yeah. the difference. Okay. Oh, no, you want to be a superstar for God. <laughs> are you hosting a party tonight, Dana? I am. You coming? Yeah, I'm going <laughs> that was so awkward but it made for good television like that whole press conference was better than the card if I could recall at the time and of course most recently well not even most recently but of course after all that stuff with Tito Dana's gone on record and said this many times after that he was willing to box Tito he was serious about boxing Tito yeah Dana White First Tito Ortiz boxing was actually going to happen. Check out the clip of him talking about it. When me and Tito were going to do that boxing match, that was like... You were dead serious about that. I, I thought it was a gimmick. You were dead serious. First of all, Tito just did an interview up in Canada where he was saying, you know, Dana wants to fight the fighter to be famous and shit. First of all, what? you f***ing clown. You put it in the contract to fight me. Yeah. I didn't ask to fight Tito. Yeah. He, that was part of the stipulation when he came back that he wanted to box me. And then Tito ended up bailing and pulling out of the thing after I trained for the thing. You were training with legitimate training camp? Bro, I brought yeah, in... Floyd Mayweather? I, no, no, I brought in heavyweight, like real heavyweight guys to spar with. I, it was like... Wow. I, so for Dana to want to box him, for there to be a clause in the contract uh, on Tito's part, I believe, you know, they clearly didn't like each other. It was a rivalry that could have ended in... Blows, literally, they could have fought, and it never happened. It's a damn shame. We would still like to see that fight. If Triller could put it together, that'd be great. But let's get to number one now, and that is Dana White's best friend. It's not just his buddy this time. Now it's his best friend. We're talking about Oscar De La Hoya. Good old Oscar. And let's start it off with after years of back and forth, Oscar De La Hoya goes on first take, talks a little bit of shit about Dana White, about some of the stuff that he's getting hit with now, today, in 2022. This was a couple years ago. Check it out. If he wants to attack me personally of what happened 15 years ago, you know, and, and let me tell you one thing. After that, yeah, I made myself better. Yes, I've cleaned up. Yes, I've done the work to be the person I am today. And that's a person that is, uh, you know, a person that is clean, a good citizen of America, and that's what I do. I'm working hard to build my business and to take care of my fighters. Are you doing the same? Are you taking care of your fighters? Why are so many fighters complaining? You know what? I'm getting to a point where I was going to do one event, okay? Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell, mm -hmm. okay? I gave Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell the opportunity because... Dana White doesn't pay him enough. Why in the hell is Chuck Liddell still fighting at this at this age? Because Dana White doesn't pay him enough. That's why. Man, if that video came out like a week ago, you'd be like, oh, it's the norm, you know? Because Dana White's getting hit with left and right again every week with this stuff. Fighter pay, it's an issue. Something's gonna have to go down with that. Dana's gonna have to get some something resolved with that, or else he will be berated for the rest of his tenure at the UFC. 
Of course, Dana has to respond to that. There was already a couple back and forth in between, but of course, ultimately, Dana had to put an end to this guy once and for all. Now let's get into De La Hoya. And the only reason that I'm telling you this is because he is a lion, two-faced, hypocritical sack of shit. And I hate him so much that I love to prove that he's a lion, hypocritical, two-faced piece of shit. Where I'm going with this is this asshole, every time he opens his mouth, acts like, number one, oh, you're not paying your fighters. You know, why are the fighters not being paid? And, um, and he acts like when he put on an event, like he pays more than we do or something. Yeah, you pay fucking Canelo a shitload of money, whom you couldn't even hold on to. You couldn't even keep. He fucking left you too, right? How about this? I, I have 650 fighters under contract. He had fucking one that mattered. He couldn't keep them. Does he still have Ryan Garcia? That only, yeah? All right, good for him. That'll be another two weeks before he fucking loses that kid. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Again, Dana's not one to hold back, which makes for a fun segment. Like, this this top five rivals thing would be so much more serious if it was anybody else. Conor McGregor, could be something like that, you know? But we're talking about Dana. It's just funny because of who he is and how he reacts to shit. So that was a top five. Let's move on to a fight that's this weekend that is the replacement main event of Fazeev and Dos Anjos. It's... Um, Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill. Uh, it's a fight that's taking place. We had Johnny Walker as the plus 200 underdog. Jamal Hill, the minus 250 favorite here. On the rest of the card, the co-main event was a catchweight bout between Kyle Dowkiss and Jamie Pickett. rest of the card, we have Parker Porter versus Alan uh, Badeau. Jim Miller versus Nicholas Moda. Joaquin Buckley's back versus, versus Allison. Okay. So it's... You know, not the most exciting card, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, the original main event of that card was what? It was Fazeev Dos Anjos, if I'm not mistaken, right? So let's pull up the rankings at 205. Let's see where these guys are at. Let's see what implications it'll have on the division. 205 pounds of division, championed by Glover Teixeira. So Jamal Hill is number 12 ranked in the division. Johnny Walker is number 10 ranked in the division. It's going to be a fight where you're going to have two guys sort of looking to play around the middle of the division. You know, they're they're not going to bounce into, like, the top five. They're not going to bounce out of the top 15 with a loss. So it's sort of like the middle tier of the, of the uh, 205-pound division. Um, you know, with a win, they'll probably just, like, bounce each other, leapfrog each other. If Jamal Hill wins, they'll probably bounce up to, like, number 10. So he will get into the top 10. Uh, if Johnny uh, Walker loses, he might actually bounce back to maybe even 13, 14, depending on how, you know, Jimmy. we got Jimmy Crute, Ryan Spann. But, you know, it's not really a fight that's having, like, a crazy implication on the division in terms of the title picture or, like, a new contender rising. If Jamal Hill could put Johnny Johnny Walker's lights out, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, Johnny Walker, let's check out his record throughout the last five fights or so. Let's see what he's been up to. Um so, recent results have Johnny Walker, where he lost a close fight against Tiago Santos. Now, I do remember that. I actually had Johnny winning the fight, but it was a very, very close fight nonetheless. Um, 
his coach, John Cavanaugh, had thought he'd done enough in that one. And it, it was such a weird situation. But So Johnny lost that one. He did beat uh, Span before he uh, lost to Santos, so he did get back on track. But before that, he lost to Krilov. No shame in that. Krilov's a beast. He lost to Corey Anderson. No shame in that. He did win a couple in a row. He beat Leadit and he beat Kirkinov. So it's a guy who's been up and down, back and forth. Like he's not championship material right now. He's not top five material in the division right now, per se. Um, you know, Jamal Hill, on the other hand, let's pull up his last five fights or so, see what he's been up to. So as for Jamal Hill, it's a guy who he beat Jimmy Crute in the last fight. We saw that one. That was a good that was a quick one. He beat Hill, or he beat Craig, rather. Beat Ovin St. Prue, so he's on a three-fight here. Four fights, he beat Abru. He beat Stozik, five fights. So the guy's on a five-fight win streak in the UFC right now. One, two, three, four, five. So he's kind of doing the damn thing. So, I mean, in terms of implications in the middleweight division, is it a guy who could maybe become a contender in a fight or two after this fight? Absolutely. I can't say the same for Johnny Walker with a win. So it'll be an interesting fight. Um, we'll check that one out this Saturday. See what time that one takes place. Should be around, what, 10 p.m.? Nonetheless, a good fight, an interesting sort of fill-in main event for the Fazeev Dos Anjos uh, fight that's now going to be on the Masvidal versus Covington fight, and it will remain a five-round fight. I'm not sure if it's a co-main event or if it's the third fight on the card. Either way, they're keeping it a five-round fight. I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, I, I would give the striking advantage to Fazeev. Um, if you're Dos Anjos, he's definitely going to want to look to get this fight on the ground. But it's going to be a very interesting fight. You know, Fazeev shows a lot of promise. He's starting to become a fan favorite. And, uh, yeah, you know, they were supposed to be the original main event here, so we were going to have a real good fight, um, a better card. So it's a shame, but it's it'll bolster UFC 272. So we'll be in store for a good one. So to close out, let's get into some news. And um, as always, we got MMAfighting.com, a great source for MMA news. We're going to stick with them. So let's let's hop right into the news. Michael Bisping responds to criticism he faced after UFC 271, praises Joe Rogan as the godfather of MMA commentary. Saturday night after the commentary, there was a slew of abuse, shall we say, but I didn't take it too I didn't take it too to heart, Bisping said on the fighter versus the writer. I wasn't going to go and kill myself or jump off a bridge as many people were telling. I wasn't going to go kill myself or jump off a bridge as many people were telling me to do. But maybe I could have worded it differently in hindsight. I haven't had a chance to watch it back. I only got back yesterday and then I've had work things and on and obviously I've got a family as well. I can't be like, guys, I know I haven't seen you in a few days, but I'm just going to go watch myself for like an hour and a half. I haven't had a chance yet. All right, so that's Michael Bisping's thoughts on that. I mean, Michael Bisping definitely took a lot of heat in that fight. Um, and looking back on it now, I think it was a lot closer of a fight than I even thought originally. I still don't see a scenario where Whitaker won the fight, don't get me wrong. But in my mind, it was more of a competitive fight than I thought, than I even envisioned originally. So, you know, Michael Bisping's getting a lot of criticism. But Michael Bisping's replacing Joe Rogan. And these people are already harsh to begin with, always the biggest critics on the internet. So 
they're going to say what they want regardless, whether it's Joe Rogan, Michael Bisping. I've heard Joe Rogan, how many times have people criticized his uh, commentary in the past or DC's commentary, most recently by Dominic Cruz? It's not a new thing. You know what I mean? And, of course, people are going to jump on Bisping because he was new to it. But Bisping's very good, a very knowledgeable guy. He's just a different style from Joe Rogan. Brock Lesnar admits he probably should have gotten paid more in the UFC compared to working for Vince and Dana White. Saw this one on the Pat McAfee show. That was a fun interview to watch if you didn't go check that out. Brock says, I was so mad at myself. It just built another thing that people ran away, ran down your throat and said you can't do something. Love those people. I get goosebumps for that. I had a one-fight deal with the UFC. Where does he talk about the money? Brock says, Dana's all right. Lesnar said when addressing his relationship with the UFC president, I've got a lot of money for him. I probably should have got paid more, maybe. This is why, where I mean, like Dana White's getting hit left, right, up, down. Every with every with every which angle, Dana White is getting hit with fighter pay shit, man, or just overall stuff about you're not paying me. You know, whether it's lighthearted or not. Dana White is the uh, is the center of a lot of a lot of complaints right now. He's at the heart of it. WWE legend, well, a lot of WWE talk here. WWE legend Booker T calls Israel Adesanya the Muhammad Ali of the MMA world. For where does he say that? Let's see. I can't sit here and say it wasn't a close fight. It was very strategic. You could tell Whitaker went and changed a whole lot in his game, and that didn't, and that he didn't want to go out the same way he did in the first fight. You could tell Israel was very, very cautious as far as his approach. It was just a technical fight, but that's the way fights are. Every fight is not going to be that spectacular knockout. Every fight is not going to be that fight where we look back in history and say, man, it was great. So Booker T's got the high praise for Adesanya. Not sure why that's relevant to MMA, but nonetheless, Jared Cannonier hopeful title shot is next after Israel Adesanya endorsement. Question Sean Strickland's chances. I mean, Jared Cannonier has to be next, right? How can he not be? We ran through the whole division about 15 minutes ago or so, and Jared Cannonier, I mean, there's no clear-cut guy. Sean Strickland is like the second most clear-cut but he still needs another win. And there's no... She, he need, Sean Strickland needs another dance partner to get into that conversation. Jared Cannonier is there. If there was another guy like that had, you know, maybe won three, four, five in a row, but that's not the situation in the middleweight division right now. Adesanya's cleared everyone out, and this is the new fresh blood that we've got. We've got it in Jared Cannonier. It's exciting. Looks like a guy who could stand with Izzy, maybe. Probably not. But it's new. So, you know... Jared says, Izzy also threw me an alley-oop, so hopefully that's enough to have them guys send me that contract, but we'll see. It's true, Izzy did throw him an alley-oop. Izzy said that he should be next. And the fighters, you know, the champs, I would imagine, have a big say in it. Eugene Behrman surprised Robert Whitaker didn't risk, risk the biscuit a bit more against Adesanya at UFC 271. Well, the answer to that is Robert Whittaker thought he won the fight, right? Which is what we came to find out later on. So he probably just thought he had done enough and he didn't really have to be that overly aggressive. Conor McGregor, Tyson Fury trade shots on Twitter after Fury praises Khabib Nurmagomedov. 
This one was funny, man. It was just... McGregor is just beefing with everyone, man. McGregor is just full bad guy at this point. Full bad guy. Even has problems with, like, the best people, man. Like, just good people. He's beefing with everyone nowadays. How do you beef with Tyson Fury? So Tyson Fury praises... Tyson Fury praises Khabib, right? Says he respects him, something along those lines. And then Connor puts, Yup, the Joyce's. Big Joe, you bottled it with Billy Joe Da. What were you doing there? You left him. Versace twat. Done nothing. You just did it right. Yay, right. Ha, 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 ha. Even when I'm wrong, I'm right. Who did it right? The Mac Daddy tonight. In-house. Miami D12. Bahamas. Hashtag Sky Juice. I don't know what Connor was on when he tweeted that, but Tyson Fury replies in a sober state, I would think, compared to Connor. Come back when you win a fight, Mush. <laughs> and the difference in me and you is I don't get myself in trouble and people actually like me. You're just a bully who hit old man. And yes, big up the Hulk Joe. Hashtag more came bay in the house. <laughs> I don't even know. McGregor hits back at Fury. Oh, no, people don't like me. What will I ever do? Ha, ah, idiot. You are just a little rim licker, bro. That's all. <laughs> you stood there while your friend's father was being attacked and done nothing. That's all. Be all end, bro. That's the be all end all, bro. Good luck. God bless. He goes, wipe his ass with your tongue, bro. You <laughs> missed a spot. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm not talking about Khabib. <laughs> You rim liquor. What's with all the fucking ass jokes? And I'm not talking about Khabib, you rim liquor. Do what you're told. I answer to no one. So I guess there was a, some sort of miscommunication. I don't know. It's a very explicit thing. And then Tyson Fury just replies, at the Notorious MMA, which is Connor's uh, Twitter, has done more tapping than MJ's old dance shoes. <laughs> I mean, Connor can't really say anything to Tyson Fury now, can he? I don't know. Tyson Fury is just a champ, you know, just top of the world. Like, what what can you really say to Tyson Fury if you want to talk shit? Kayla Harrison considering drop to Bantamweight, still undecided about her free agency. I mean, that's the thing. is, is like, you know, in, in women's fighting, those higher weight classes, 155, 135, if you can make the cut and get down to, to like 35, 25, if you're a female, you're better off because those, you know, those divisions, 35, 50, I mean, rather 45, 55, the sad truth is either no one's watching them or there's not enough people, you know? So she should at least go down to 45. Like 55, I guess she's trying to do something that's unprecedented and create a 55-pound division for women, which I think could be cool and could work, right? But at this current state, if you want to fight credible opponents you're not going to get those at those higher weight classes for if you're a female with all due respect Uriah Hall says Darren Till really scared to fight me Till responds this should be next these guys are around like the same place in the division talk about a fall from grace Darren Till ever since the uh the loss to Woodley he's won like one fight right something like he's had like a similar like a Cody Garbrandt type of deal I wanted Darren Till, but he's just being a punk-ass bitch, Uriah Hall says. I don't know what's happening. 
or if he's playing with the UFC or whatnot, but he's the guy that makes sense. He is. Does Darren Till reply? He goes, brother, brother, brother. You just did an interview saying, I am scared of you. I jumped up to middleweight and straight off the bat fought two of the best middleweights there is in Gaslam and Whitaker. I've never turned down a fight at welterweight or middleweight. That'd be a fun-ass fight. Right? Because we know at middleweight, he's not, you know, um, Darren Till's not the striker that Israel Adesanya is, right? But, you know, him and him and uh, Uriah Hall would be a fun striking contest, I think. That'd be a super highly competitive bout. You know? Tied to Ivasa convinced Dana White to do a shoey at UFC 271 after KO of Derek Lewis. I saw that. It was it was funny. Casey O'Neill reveals what she told legend Roxanne Modafari after the fight. I'll tell you what. UFC, if you want a star, if you want like a, a star in the women's in the women's divisions, Casey O'Neill's that. Like Casey O'Neill has the look. She's a pretty girl. She could fight. She's undefeated. She has the persona. She could talk. She's badass. She likes to play the badass character. And and people can get behind that. Like, I think Casey O'Neill could be a big star in the UFC. I think if they do the right thing with her, they have a star there. I think she, I think the UFC has something there. Let's see what she said to Roxanne Modafari after the fight. And again, Modafari with her last fight um, ever in the UFC, right? So that was that was good. So she called her a legend, um, which is good. It's good respect. She even bowed down to her after the fight, which is pretty cool to see. Roxanne Modafari reacts to the final fight. I'm really, really happy. Roxanne Modafari was a pioneer in women's MMA, as we spoke about her in the last episode. Just imagine the state of women's MMA 20 years ago or so. Just think about how long she's been in the game, how long she's been doing this. Roxanne Modafari is a pioneer in MMA. Male or female. She's a pioneer in MMA. She's going to go down in history as someone who blazed the trail. So that looks like it's going to do it for this week's episode. Episode number six, Talking MMA. Again, follow us on all social media platforms. We got Instagram. We got TikTok. We got Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. We're on... um, not SoundCloud, Spotify rather, and we're on Anchor FM. So look us up on all there, follow us on all those, listen, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for listening.